0: Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. We've been in our Raised to Life series the past few weeks, and we've been digging into the book of Ephesians. Y'all been enjoying this? Really getting into this thing, really been learning a lot, this Raised to Life series. Why? Because we are raised to life. We are never finished. Amen? Amen. Well, that's one of our core values here at Destiny Church, the fact that we are never finished, that God has more in store for us. And it may feel like you're defeated today, it may feel like you're unsure, you're hopeless, you might even be dead in the grave, but we know and we believe and we're declaring in the name of Jesus today that all things are possible for Christ through his power for those that believe. Come on, let's declare it today. Come on, I want some expectancy in this place this morning. I don't want this just to be a place where we come in here and then we leave the same. I want to expect to be transformed when I walk into this place. I want the power of God to be so prevalent in my life that when I leave, everybody else can see it. And that's what I'm expecting this morning. Are you all with me? Come on. I'm expecting God to move. Believing that there's nothing that he can't do and won't do for his people. See, my heart this morning is this, and it comes out of Romans. It's, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that verse. So I'm excited to get to bring the word to you this morning. I'm expecting. Are y'all ready? I'm not Pastor Mark, but are y'all ready? Come on, I need some encouragement this morning. Hey, last week, Pastor Mark did talk to us um, from the book of Ephesians chapter 1 over verses 15 through 19, and it was Paul's prayer for the church of Ephesus, this heartfelt longing, this cry from the bottom of his heart that this church, that God's people would know the hope that is found in Christ. It's this persistent prayer that he prayed over the church of Ephesus, that they would have this revelation, this this spirit of wisdom in hopes that they might know Jesus more. And he, Paul, or Mark gave us three things that we should do to have a more effective prayer life. You guys remember those three things? We're to keep asking. Okay? We're to keep asking. We're to know who we're praying to. And we're to know what we're praying for. You guys remember that from last week? And that specific prayers are what? Are effective Prayers. It's all good stuff, all great takeaways, tons of nuggets from last week, but I do have to say, brother, on behalf of all the men and all the husbands in this place, thank you. Because you gave us 1 Peter 3.7. You guys remember that? Talked about how husbands are to be considerate to their wives and that we're to, to be, respect them because they're the weaker partner. You guys remember that? I get one amen out of that. Because why? Because our prayers would be hindered, right? if we didn't do those things. So for the last seven days, Mandy just walks around the house all day going, persistent prayers, persistent prayers, or hindered prayers. I'm sorry, hindered prayers, not persistent. Did I say persistent? Sorry. Hindered prayers, hindered prayers. That's all I've been hearing out of her mouth for the last seven days. Come on. So on behalf of all the men, thank you, man. You're just trying to make us better, right? This just much love, man, much love. Okay, hey, so today I'm finishing up the last few verses in Ephesians chapter 1, and I want to recap back just a little bit um, at the end of Paul's prayer um, and then finish out the rest of chapter 1. That sound good with y'all? So Paul, he prays for three things in verses 18 through 19. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which Christ has called you. The second thing he prays for is this, that you may know the riches, this abundance of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And the last thing he prayed for was this one that I'm gonna be speaking on today. And you guys ready for this one? That you may know his incomparably great power. For who? For us who believe. Does anyone in here believe in the power of Christ? Come on, I'm asking. Because here's the truth. A big majority of Christians, a big majority of us that are sitting in here today We don't understand it. We don't understand this power, the fact that it's ours. It's available to us, but the truth of the matter is we don't know this power in our own lives. You see, we might have seen this power from a distance. We might have heard stories about this power. We might have witnessed it in somebody else's lives. But the hard truth is that most Christians here today have never experienced this incomparably great power in their own life. That's a sad truth. And you know what? Maybe you're in here today and you haven't ever been awakened to the relationship with Jesus or you've never been had the revelation of his power in your life. So you're sitting there today, sitting there going, what what power is this guy talking about? And I pray that this message will awaken and enlighten your heart to know of him first and foremost, but secondly, of his mighty, incomparable power. So what comes to mind when you hear the word power? Is it authority? Is it strength? Is it muscle? What comes to mind when you hear the word power? Because for me, when I hear the word power, I think of power, right? Like electricity. I'm a lineman, so that's automatically where my, my mind goes. So you guys just take it for granted. You just expect to come home, and the AC be running, and then you flip the switch on, the light comes on, and you guys take it for granted. And it should, right? If I'm, if I'm doing my job. <laughs> But you know what? We all need power. We all consume power. We all want power. Whether it's power of electricity, whether it's power of authority, or whether it's Mark and it's powerful muscles. (laughs) But you see, the power that Paul is praying about, the the power that Paul is describing to the church of Ephesus is far above any worldly power that we could ever seek. See, he expresses that Christ's power is incomparable. It's unimaginable. It's immeasurable. It raises the dead to life. It's the greatest power ever known. And the fact of the matter is, it resides right here in each one of us. If we believe. If we have the faith to believe. Does anyone want that kind of power? That raise the dead to life kind of power? Come on, I want some of that power. My hope and prayer for today is this, that we know and understand this power, that it's not just something we hear about, that's not something we've seen from a distance, that it's not something we've seen in somebody else's lives, but that when we leave here today, that we have full knowledge, that we attain this exact kind of immeasurable, incomparable, raise the dead to life kind of power inside us as believers. Amen? Amen. Y'all with me? I'm ready to be awakened to some of that power. You guys? Let's pray. Father, we just give you this time. And Lord, at this moment, I just ask that you just open the eyes of our hearts. Lord, just like Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, I'm praying for the church right now that you just bring us this awakening. Lord, that you enlighten our hearts, our souls to this kind of power, Father. We may feel like we're dead in the grave right now. or that there's these mountains in the way, but God, we know that you are greater and your power is stronger than any force may come against us lord i pray that you just have your way amongst your people right now lord your spirit's already here we invite you into our hearts to awaken us to enlighten us and it's in your name the name above all names everybody said amen hey so y'all like school one two good awesome no science how about science class anybody like science class all right how about when pastors like get off topic and go somewhere else y'all like that good Because that's that's where we're going today. (laughs) I'm glad you guys like that. So listen, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to give you basic power plant class. This isn't even going to be power class 101, okay? This is going to be like power class negative one. Because we don't have time to get into all this dynamics of powerhouses. So I'm going to give you really brief, basic powerhouse class. Because I know you're sitting there wondering today, I wonder how electricity is made. That's what you all came in here this morning thinking, wasn't it? Good, man, because I'm great. That's awesome. I knew you all were going to be thinking that. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the basics to a power plant. You guys ready? A single large power plant can generate enough electricity that's two gigawatts. I know you all know what that is. 2,000 megawatts or 2 billion watts. You all know what watts are now. 2 billion watts of power. 1 basic large power plant. That's enough electricity to feed a couple hundred thousand homes. So how do they do that? You guys want to go on a journey? All right. They do it by fuel. So what powers our homes, what powers our appliances starts off as a fuel, as a source of energy. It could be coal, it could be oil, it could be natural gas, it could be water, it could be hydro, it could be nuclear, it can be wind turbine, all these different sources start off as a fuel that the power plant uses to produce electricity. So today, I want to talk about coal. We're going to use coal as our example. And the real magic isn't the fact that fuel is turned into electricity by a power plant. That's not the real magic that takes place. What's magical is that it's even small, tiny amounts of fossil fuels, just like this piece of coal, Contain huge amounts of energy or power. You see, one kilogram, one kilogram of coal has enough electricity, has enough energy, I'm sorry, has enough energy to produce an astronomical amount of power. You ready to hear how much? One kilogram has 30 megajoules of energy inside of it. That's crazy. I ain't doing calculus. I don't expect you to know what a megajoule is. Just be mind-blown right now in the fact that it's a lot, okay? Just trust me. Just trust me. 30 megajoules of energy. So that's the equivalent. One kilogram is the equivalent to about one-and-a-half-volt one batteries, but about 3,000 of them. So one kilogram of coal has the ability to produce 3,000 1.5-volt batteries. And you see, power plants can make so much energy because they burn huge amounts of this fuel. And every single bit, each piece is packed full of energy and power. So just to put it in perspective, Southwest Power Plant in Springfield, Missouri, it will burn 150,000 kilograms of fuel every hour. 150,000 kilograms of fuel every hour. And every train that goes to Southwest Powerhouse in Springfield delivers 16 million kilograms of coal, and it's processed every 48 hours. That's unbelievable to think about. But how does it do it? I'm glad you guys asked. We're going to find out. So this fuel, this source, this fossil fuel, the energy right here is stuck into a a furnace, okay? And it's burned at a really, really high temperature. And it releases heat energy. So the heat from the furnace, it boils this cold water that's inside all these pipes in this big, huge boiler, right? Stick with me. I'm going somewhere with this, people. I don't want to bore you. We're in science class. But there's this big, huge boiler with all this cold water flowing through all these pipes. And this heat energy is released when that coal is burned at a high temperature. And it goes past this boiler full of all these pipes, okay? And it produces steam. So then this steam is lifted up into these huge cooling towers where it condenses. I got it right right now. Where it condenses, and then that water falls back down, and it gets recycled through this boiler. So here's this process that's going on. But what it does is once that, that heat energy is going through what they call a steam turbine, Okay, it's this big, huge fan that has all these rotors on it and all these, these fan blades. And as this heat energy is pushed through it at an extremely high pressure, it causes this big, huge turbine to spin. And what it's doing is, as it's spinning, it's creating kinetic energy or energy that's moving because it's moving past this fan blade. So this fan blade is connected to an axle which is connected to a generator. So high pressure, high steam is burned, or the coal is burned at a high pressure. It's pushed through through a steam turbine, which enforces it. It runs through the steam turbine, turns a fan, which turns the axle, which goes into the generator, which literally creates kinetic energy and it creates electricity. That's all it is, simple, basic, just easy. That's the really, really basic educational level of about grade one on how that's made. So then what it does is once that generator produces this kinetic electricity, this moving energy, it's forced out of the powerhouse onto cables. Those cables go into a step-up transformer because here's the deal. High-voltage electricity loses less energy than low-voltage electricity does. Does that make sense? You guys following? So what we have to do is once this leaves, this electricity is leaving the powerhouse, it has to be boosted. It goes through a step-up transformer where it's boosted to make it an extremely high voltage to where it's sent out across the country because it loses less energy that way. So then it's carried all the way across the country on poles, structures, whatever it may be, to a substation in your local area. Once it reaches the substation in your your local area, it then hits another transformer where the voltage is reduced down to where your local co-op can come, pick up on it, deliver it to your house. And then once it's at your house, it literally runs all around your walls inside your house. That's how electricity is made. So when you plug your television, whenever you go to charge your cell phone, you are literally making an indirect connection with a single piece of coal hundreds of miles away pretty cool pretty cool that's science class but you know what you can't see it right you can feel the electricity if you get into it but you can't see it but you just take it for granted and you trust and you know that it's there but you only know it's working or when it's on when you plug into the source right Guys, tracking with me this morning? Can you see some of the little, the spiritual, spiritual hints that I'm throwing out? Anybody picking up on any of those? So there's a lot of information and a lot of stuff that has to happen just so you can charge your cell phone, just so that we can have power. And here's the sad part about powerhouses, though: these old running coal-fired powerhouses are terrible at efficiency. They're always under government regulations, and it's just it's an absolute mess because they're so inefficient. They're so they, they put so much pollution into the air, but an old running power plant that runs on coal, literally about one-third, one-third of all the energy that's stored into coal is actually used to produce electricity. And what's even worse is, unfortunately, the more electricity as it travels across those power lines, I told you it loses its energy. Most of it, from the time it leaves the powerhouse on its journey to your house, is squandered somewhere along the way. So if you add up all these losses, about one-fifth, one-fifth of its full potential right here of this piece of coal actually gets used to produce effective electricity. And every single bit of the rest is wasted. A fraction, a fraction of what it's capable of doing, and only a single portion gets used for its purpose side note that's a spiritual hint if you didn't pick up on that already because it leads me to this question how efficiently are you using the power that's inside of you how efficiently are we using the power as believers inside of us and what sources are we plugged into what sources are we plugged into? Would you guys turn with me to the book of imagination, chapter 5? <laughs> hey, I was just making sure somebody wasn't going to grab their Bible. Just checking, hey, we're, we're in class, come on. So let's pretend, just, just for the sake of everything's plugged in, good. Hey, let's pretend, just for the sake of today, that this right here, that this lamp represents Christ's power. You guys cool with that? It's holy, it's set apart, it's all over here all by itself, it's awesome. Y'all remember whenever you guys gave your life to Christ, and that light shone brightly within you, and man, it was just this, this awakening that you guys had, and you guys went around, this little light of mine, no, I'm just kidding, come on. I mean, y'all forgot to t- plug your lamps in this morning, apparently, or maybe didn't turn them on, <laughs> but we first come to know Christ, so, the, so let's say we first come to know Christ, and this light's shining, and it's powerful, and, and he's our source, he's our power, but then Life happens and all, all this other stuff goes on. But let's just say, for instance, that this right here not only represents the power of Christ, let's say it represents the power of Christ within each one of us. So, Abby, this is your power in Christ. This is your power in Christ. Okay, that makes sense? So we first come to know Christ. We plug our lamps in. We get excited. So for the rest of today, that's going to represent the power that Christ displays in each and every single one of us. So we've learned about electrical power. I've taught you guys about the, the process of electrical power. But let's see what Paul says about spiritual power, about the power of Christ. So let's read Ephesians 19, one, or 20, Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. It says that this power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule, is it up there? far above all rule, all authority, not, not just barely above, but far above. The standard's been set way high, all above power and dominion, and every name that is involved, not only in the present age, not only right now, but also in the one to come for eternity. And God placed all things, everybody say all things, all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body to the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. Amen? Paul's bringing us to this revelation that there's a power inside of us. There's a power that's within us, a power that's unimaginable. As believers, it's immeasurable. But still we wonder, what kind of power? Like Seriously, what's it really capable of doing, right? Let's find out. Let's dig into verses 19 through 20. It says that that power, this incomparably great power that Paul describes right before this, he says that kind of power is the same as the mighty strength that God exerted, that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So the word for power in the Greek here in this phrase is called dunamis. And it's literally where we get our word dynamite from. But you know what? It's so much more than explosive. In the Greek, it's literally translated as miraculous. So Paul's telling us that this indescribable, miraculous kind of power is available to us believers. Power that raises the dead back to life. Power that not only raised Jesus from the grave, but ascended him to the highest place of honor, seated right next to God at his right. This is right next to the God who created the sun, who created the moon, who created the stars and the galaxies. It's that kind of power that he has over that. The same God who not only imagined man, but then created man and then breathed his own breath into man, who created you and me and then sent his son to die on a cross so that we could have hope, so that we could have an eternity It's that kind of God and it's that kind of power that Paul's describing here to the Ephesian church. And now Christ sits at the right hand and has been given all authority over everything in existence. And what Paul is doing here is that he's making the point that God's power, that this kind of power, this raising Jesus back to life and then ascending him to heaven is the mightiest display of power that's ever been known to man. And dunamis power, this type of power, doesn't stop when we receive our salvation because it's from God. It's given to us. It's given towards us to empower us to be able to break strongholds and live the way that God intended us to live. Check this out. Even death itself, even death itself cannot stand up against this kind of power. Come on. It's okay to get excited about that. But here's the thing, this kind of power should be evident in our lives. It should be evident in our lives as believers as we go out and we witness and we minister. Why? I love how the Passion Translation states verse 19. It says, your lives, your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. Your lives are an advertisement of the power that's been given to you By God because people are looking for something real people are looking for power they're looking for something powerful they're searching this world over for hope they're trying to fulfill needs they're trying to fill gaps and you know what they're doing they're plugging into all these different outlets to try to find that stuff plugging in all these different things that deplete them an outlet is a receptacle for the plug of an electrical device or a point on a wiring system. If we're going back to school here. But it's also defined as an opening or passage by which something is let out, a vent, an exit, a means of release. It even means a means of release or satisfaction for an emotion or an impulse. You know what's a a release or an outlet? That. Anybody else? This is a a means of release, an outlet, a way to vent, an emotional attachment. Y'all got 200-foot extension cords to charge them? Because you know what this does? Sometimes this makes me feel good. And sometimes this makes me feel terrible. It allows me the opportunity to check out of my world and check in on your temporary world to see what's going on, and that way I can have a comparison game going on in my head. That's exactly what this does. It's an outlet. It's a release. Sometimes it brings me satisfaction. Sometimes it doesn't. But as a matter of fact, I probably better charge mine because I'm maybe going dead here a little bit. Gonna have to have that. I gotta see what you're going to be doing later on. Never know. We gotta compare. So what's some, other, what's some other kind of releases that we deal with? Come on, we're having school, it's open class. What's some other ways that we have releases in our lives? Anybody? Anybody? Alcohol, alcohol. love it, love it. I literally was going to get a Bud Light sign, but Mark said no. <laughs> so you know what we're going to do here? We're, we're just going to use this one right here. We're going to pretend, we're going to say alcohol. So this right here is an external hard drive. Now listen, this is just illustration purposes, so just bear with me. But this is an external hard drive. This is where I keep all my hidden files. This is where I go home at night and I cope with alcohol. Or where I have to rely on drugs and alcohol, smoking, tobacco, whatever it may be, sex. Whatever form of release that I'm hiding within my soul that I don't want anybody else to know about is stored in this exter- external hard drive. So that's what we do is we continue to plug in to the source of something like this. So this is our external hard drive here. I'm gonna run. Okay? Anybody else? This represents all addiction. Drugs, whatever it may be. Okay? Anybody else? <coughs> TV. I, man, you guys see a TV sitting up here? Hey, you know what? For some of us, it's TV. Some of us... We got to come home and we got to veg out for the night, right? Helps us relax, help us take our mind off things. Apparently, y'all like listening to the same story for months and months and months about COVID, so maybe that's what you're focusing on. So maybe it's TV for you. I don't know. How about hobbies? That's my hobby. If I'm stressed out, you know where I'm going? I'm going to the lake. Hobbies are my thing. So whether it's hunting, fishing, golfing, sports, whether it's the gym, working out, we're going to say that this represents all hobbies because we're the Super Bowl champions. Come on. So this is going to represent all hobbies, okay, no matter what that may be. No matter what source you're trying to plug into to bring you satisfaction, to make you check out of the world, or to do whatever it is you need to do to feel good about yourself, this right here is that representation of that. Somebody said work in the first service. That was a good one. That's an interesting one. Because I try to check out of work when I come home. But you know what? Maybe you go to work, and then you come home, and then you check out on your family to try to do more work. Maybe you're trying to get released from your family, so you're continuing to do more work, right? Maybe, so maybe it's work for you. I didn't plug these in in the right order, but just bear with me. This is an illustration, people. So maybe it's work. And you know what? Maybe this one right here represents whatever else it is. Whatever kind of outlet you're holding inside your heart that you don't want to say out loud or whatever it is for you. We're just going to say for illustration purposes that this one represents that right there. And you know what? We continue to plug and we plug and we plug into so many different sources trying to find satisfaction in our life trying to find strength in something else and you know what when one doesn't work we plug in another and then we plug in another and then we plug in another until we come over here and you know what the power strip's full there's nowhere else to plug in so you know I'm going to have to do I'm just literally going to unplug from the source that gives me hope that gives me life that gives me strength and now I'm unplugged from God I'm unplugged from his power because I'm plugged into the world. Did you notice how at first this lamp was sitting over here by itself? That it was the representation of the power of Christ within us all by itself. And what I did was I took everything that was physical, everything that was temporary, and I pulled it out and I placed it right in front of the power of God. And then when that didn't satisfy me, when that didn't work, you know what I did? I unplugged myself from the source and I found something else to plug in. We unplugged from the source that provides us eternal power. Unimaginable power. Because everything else on this table is temporary. It's a temporary release. And you know what, what happens when the coal runs out? What happens when the power goes out? What happens when you plug so much junk in there that it overpowers the breaker and the breaker trips? And now we're overcome. We're frustrated, we're exhausted, we're addicted, and this just becomes a normal operation for the rest of our life. This is just how we live now. But what if? What if the church could just begin to operate in the power of Jesus that's available to us? What if? Can you imagine if you, if me, if all of our families, if this church right here could experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power that is available to us? Then those people that are looking at our lives as an advertisement, they're going to know exactly where to plug in. We're going to know what to plug into. We're going to know where our power comes from. And so are they, because it's going to be evident in the way that we live our lives. ultimately, that's the source of Jesus and Jesus alone. Let's get back to Paul's letter. So not only is Jesus placed at God's right hand, but verse 21 says, He is far above all rule. He is far above all rule and all authority, power and dominion, and over every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And the word for power here is keratos. And it's defined as a mighty power. It has dominion. It has rule. It reigns over, is its literal meaning. You see, Ephesus was was known for its spiritual darkness. It had sorcery, idol worship, magic. Driving out demons in the city was common practices. It was literally how people made their living. That was their occupation. Magicians around Ephesus believed this, that if they learned the name of a spiritual being, they could gain power over that being. By naming its name. Fear and demonic darkness overpowered the city of Ephesus. Paul brings this message of the gospel to this city filled with deep demonic forces and darkness. In the, and he brings the gospel and he brings the hope in Christ. And he reveals to them the power. Power over fear over darkness, a power that has all authority in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And nothing, nothing can overtake this kind of power or even stand against it, not even come close because it's far above all rule, all authority, all dominion. A new authority's been raised to life and he's appointed ruler over all. And I love Philippians 2, 9 through 11. It says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That's good news, church. That's good news. But you know what? Just like that song we sang, just like putting words upon a screen, I still don't think we fully understand the power that we possess because this power has the ability to break addictions. This power has the authority to bring hope. Come on, this has the ability to restore the broken, to heal the sick, to overcome, to move any mountain that's in the way that has all authority and that is higher than any other name. Nothing is allowed to come against it. and Everyone will acknowledge one day that Jesus Christ is Lord because he's the name above all names. And you know what? No matter what it is, whatever name it may be, whatever power it may be, whether it's demonic, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, whether your name is depression, whether it's anxiety, whether it's fear, whether it's doubt, whether it's bankruptcy, whether you're dead in the grave right now, there's a name that has already been assigned all authority, and it has no power over you. not just for right now because paul adds at the end of verse 21 not only in the present age but also in the one to come to make it clear to us that jesus is exalted to the highest place of absolute supreme power over the entire universe and his authority isn't just granted for just a certain period of time it's for all eternity and forever And Paul's praying that the church of Ephesus and that Destiny Church and that the church would be awakened to this revelation that we possess the exact same power within us. But only when we declare it and only when we believe. Because when we possess this kind of power, it transforms us. It heals us. It redeems us. It restores us. It protects us. It delivers us. It frees us. His power enables us to do the things that are impossible, to cast mountains out of the way there's nothing too hard for him. And when you finally become aware of the fact that his power is at work within you and that you literally start digging into the strength that fills you with hope and courage and it delivers you with this unlimited, all-consuming kind of power, you can start walking back and taking stuff back in your life and moving it out of the way because you don't need to find satisfaction in anything else. You don't need to find satisfaction or self-worth in what others think about you. You don't have to let work overpower you to where it's always in the way. Listen, when you come back and you start unplugging from all the junk, all the temporary stuff in your life, and you plug back in to the source of power, which is Jesus Christ, then all things, church, all things are possible. That's the power that resides In the eternal, because every single bit of that stuff is temporary. The true power only works when we're plugged into it. When our light is on. And the love is flowing through us to the world. Verse 22 says, God placed all things under his feet. And See, this goes back to creation when God had spoken, had ordained it at the very beginning of creation that man would rule over the entire earth, that he would subdue it, that he would fill it, and he would rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky. And we know that Adam failed at that. But what Adam had lost because of sin, Christ came as the second Adam, and he's regained that. And while the complete fulfillment of all these words, all this hope in this Bible right here, while we await all of this, In Christ's return and his final victory over Satan, we can be reassured that his resurrection, his ascension, and the present appointed place of the highest authority that anybody could ever be, it guarantees our outcome. All things, including all the forces of terrible evil right now that are made alive and well around us, everything, all things, church, say it with me, all things are under Christ's feet. And the rest of verse 22 says, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. And see, Paul's not referring to a building. Paul's referring to the body. He's referring to you and to me, Christ's people, the followers who have been called out of darkness to live a life worthy of him. And as God's people, we belong to Christ and he's our head. You see, he's our leader. He's our source. He exercises his authority position of authority not to rule and to reign over us he uses his position for our good because he loves us he cares for us he wants you to succeed he wants you to be restored he wants you to be transformed it's a power of authority but it's a power of love and it works out for our benefit See, God's power doesn't remove us from persecution. It doesn't take away danger. It doesn't take away difficulties or sickness. It doesn't even take away physical death. But it makes us more than conquerors. It makes us more than conquerors in all things. So this isn't some magical kind of power to escape the difficulties of this world, but it's a power that enables us to live in an evil world. To be in the world, but not of it. The power that we possess in Christ for godly living, it's the same power that Christ represents in our own lives, in our daily lives. It's the power to love. It's the power to love when we'd rather hate somebody. It's the power to forgive when we'd rather retaliate. It's the power to continue to serve when we'd rather sleep in. Power of God in us gives us the ability to love and to live just like Jesus did. Just like Jesus did. Let's finish up. Chapter one, verse twenty-three says, "Which is His body, the fullness of Him in everything and every way." You see, we make up that body. Christ has been appointed head. A body that's separated from the head is a lifeless body, and in the same way, whatever the head owns, the body owns. So if Christ, who is the head of the church, has the ultimate authority and power, then guess what? We as the body possess the same thing. And the idea is not that we complete him, because God doesn't need us to complete him. Jesus doesn't need us to complete him. him. But it's the fact that he chose us, that he supplies us with his power, with his strength, and he's the one that completes us we as his body we as his express we as his advertisement as the passion translation says we should be the full expression of Christ who he himself fills in every way and in everything and it's only when the eyes of our it's only when the eyes of our hearts are enlightened in order that we may come to know the power that is within us and i want to read verse 18 and the 19 again Because I think it's vitally important that Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us as believers. Okay, it's not that Paul's praying, God, I wish you would give them power. God, I wish you would give us power. And it's not even a power that's like God's. It's not a power that's comparable to God's. It's God's power, the same power that he possesses. Praise that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened to know that this power has already been displayed and all we have to do is just believe all we got to do is just believe so i wonder how much power how much energy that is available to us through christ is lost and squandered along our journey how efficient are we with what god has given us I told you earlier that one small, tiny amount of coal is packed so full of power that it has the capability to power your house from hundreds of miles away. And as as impressive as that is, it doesn't even compare or come close to the magnitude of the power that's inside us through Jesus Christ. See, Matthew tells us if we have even the tiniest amount of faith, the size of a mustard seed, not even comparable to this piece of coal right here, that we have the authority to move mountains and that nothing will be impossible for us. And the great news is it doesn't have to be dug out of the ground. It doesn't have to be sent through this whole elongated process and shipped hundreds of miles away in order to be used. The good news is is we possess an unlimited amount of it right now, and it resides within us. There's one more definition of an outlet, and it's this, a point on a wiring system at which current or power is taken to supply a device. And there's so many power outlets and authorities that we can plug into. I showed you guys those a while ago. And all these have the ability to take life. They use energy, they consume power, and they deplete us. And when we stop depleting and we start plugging into the source that completes us, it's then and only then that we can rely on His strength and His power. Because there's only one power that has the authority and the ability to supply and give life while all these other ones take life away and drain you. You have this unlimited amount of power and energy because you received it the day that Christ gave his life on the cross for your sake and he's saying to you today it's yours you just have to believe it so with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place you may be in here today and you don't know of this Jesus that I'm talking about you may not even know of this power that's available to you when you accept him as your Lord and Savior And I want to give you that opportunity right now. If that's you in this place, if you don't have that relationship with Christ, if you don't understand this power, I want to give you that opportunity right now to make him Lord of your life. Would there be one in here that's bold enough to raise their hand to accept Christ? Is there any in here? I love it. I see your hand. It's awesome. Love it. Praise Jesus. It's awesome. We're all going to pray this prayer together. I want you guys to repeat after me because we're going to do this in unity as one body. It says, Lord, I invite you, or Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. I invite you to come into my heart and make me a new creation. I believe that Christ died for my sins and that he was raised back to life. Lead me in your ways and in your truth. Today, I give you my heart and my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate that new salvation. That's awesome. Love it. Amazing. Like, you might be in here today and have a relationship with Christ, but you've been plugging into so many different resources, so many different sources that you've forgotten the power that's available to you. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're hopeless, unsure. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your finances. That's all right. We can stand up. I'm closing out. We can stand up and get ready, because I only want to stand up for this one. You know why? He's the God of miracles. He's still working in us, and He can still move mountains. He's the God of restoration. And you know what? You might feel as though you're dead right now, and here's the truth, church. Jesus was dead in the grave. But the almighty power of God pulled Him out of that grave and raised Him back up to life, and He's willing to do the same thing for you. Come on, let's, let's worship.